Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now... Two guys who haven't scored since 1958. Hey, howdy, Lions fans. (laughs) Welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast game preview, episode 387. (sighs) Tony, what's so funny? (laughs) Nothing. I'm not. No, no, you are not trapping me into that one. Nope, nope. Move on. This is the official Detroit Lions (laughs) podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris, with I just say the worst things to people at the worst possible time. I apologize. With me is my great humored and wonderful co-host, the man, Tony, T-O Ortiz. How are you doing, friend? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I can make you laugh. Things aren't always as easy as they should be, especially this time of year. Things should be easy for everybody. And, and they, they made it a little difficult for you. So I'm glad I can probably just elicit a smile out of you today, Tony. I, I feel bad for you. That is beyond. Uh, thank you. Uh, there are no words. Thank you. Nobody deserves to have a smooth, easy day like you, and yet here you are helping others. So there you go. All right. We will not dwell on that. Tony doesn't want to have plenty of time to no. do that tomorrow. Uh, in today's show, we're going to talk about the Lions and Falcons. We're going to preview that. We're going to do the injury report. We'll tell you about how Vegas feels. Might mm-hmm. wallow in the certainty of what we talked about last week. Game predictions, a whole lot more. we got a great show lined up. Tony, you ready to go, my man? I'm ready. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right, all right. Oh, here we go. Hey, guys in the chat and gals in the chat, thank you for joining us. Uh, We've got a good show. We're going to talk about the meta as we do at the beginning of these preview shows. Just kind of set the tone of the series for folks and let you know how much we really hate these Falcons before we get there. (laughs) Is it just a mild kind of discomfort or is it a a, a blazing hate? Um, Teams have met 38 times, Tony. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's... uh, the, the the cards have been around since 1930. We've met them. Right. It was 68 times we had met them. So only 30 different. And these guys have only been around since. Well, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, last time we met was in 2020. Mm-hmm. Lions lead the series. These are always good. I love it when this is the case. Convincingly, 25 wins, 13 losses, and no ties over this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we won the last time we met. Last Lost for the last six but mm-hmm. between 1984 and 1997, the Lions were 10 and 2 in the series. Nice. Yeah. And they won the first nine meetings up until 1977, uh, which means if you do the math on that, they, well, you can't do the math because they aren't a division rival or anything. But uh, no. the first time they played was in 1966 with the Lions mm-hmm. victory, 28 to 10 at home. That's pretty, pretty good record against a team. I remember my dad when I was young, you know, they used to have the pennants, right? That they sold at yes. the, from the little, all the towns and everything when you'd fly. My dad would, wherever he would fly when he was at work, he would bring home a pennant. And he brought home an Atlanta Falcons one. I was like, man, that's a pretty cool helmet. I was like seven, right? That's a mm-hmm. pretty good, a cool helmet. I like the black with the, the bird, the whole thing, right? Yeah. I was like, this is pretty nice looking helmet. I was, I'll never, it's always kind of stuck in my head. Still a Lions fan, but I was like, that's kind of cool. All that. And, and we've only met, just 38 times. It's, it's strange to me, but I thought it was more, but wow, that's still a lot considering they've only been in the league 50. Oh, my math's off today. Uh, 60. They've been in the league between 50 and 60 years. <clears throat> like 57, I think, or 56. <laughs> like that. 
56. Thank you, Chris. But yeah, no problem, buddy. <laughs> um, I just thought that they were a bigger, that, that, that pennant of all things debate, you know, you're seven when those things happen, mm-hmm. but I thought they were just going to be a bigger, more formidable team. Just how cool that pennant looked, but evidently not so much back then. <laughs> they had two good periods. There was the late seventies when Lehman Bennett was in charge and they had the grit splits, which was an incredible defense in the seventies back when teams used to run the ball 40 times and only pass 15, 20 times a game. Yep. And then of course there was the Jerry Glanville run with Deion Sanders and those guys, the dirty birds, that was a fun run. And you know what? I just realized it was a third one with Dan Reeves. When that team went to the super bowl, Jamal Anderson was their big player. And it, it always seems like they go in and out of phase, in and out of phase, in and out of phase. The last one was the Matt Ryan one, which went to the Super Bowl that blew that 28 to three lead against New England. Out of and they phase. really haven't re- they haven't reached the height since, Chris. No, no, not at all. And that was. Boy, that, that's still kind of the, the poster version yep. of how to lose a game massively. <laughs> Snatch it from defeat from the clutches of victory. My goodness. Um, total points scored. The Falcons have 796 in the series. The Lions with 852 with only a gap of just under 1.5 points per game. So the, the, the games haven't been that close. I think they've just been lopsided equally in the end yep. is where they've kind of fallen. Um, we think to the, to the, the memories and mine, mine, I think is going to be a little more recent, but you've spent so much time with the teams and, and been able to form a lot of different type of bonds than you, than you can. Mine are always, it feels like these, Kind of like, I don't know if you watch Yellowstone, but I, I got the Lions brand <laughs> at this one. Uh, first game of 2008, uh, Matt Ryan's first game, and <laughs> he throws his first pass in his first NFL game, and it's a 62-yard touchdown to Michael Jenkins. Now, I remember a couple things. I had just moved to California, um, mm-hmm. left the auto industry. It was, um, things were, you know, tight, whatever, had a new new child. Uh, relatively new child, um, moved to a highly expensive spot. I was in a, a, a apartment trying to find a house, and I was like, "I'm just I'm flipping for the Sunday ticket. <laughs> this is <laughs> I got to get the Sunday ticket because I got to watch the Lions. It's all I got out here. I got no one else to talk about it with." And you know, it was just a tough time, right? Everything was t- it was tight trying to get into the super expensive market from from Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Detroit had completely depressed when I sold my house. Nothing like that had happened yet until. Until actually when I did buy, I caught a falling knife there in California. Helped me a little bit. But um, Matt Ryan, with I think he only wound up with like 161 yards on the day. But that dagger throw, his first, and I just knew it right there. I go, it's always the Lions. It's always the Lions. We're somebody else's. Matt Flynn, whoever whoever it is, we're always on somebody else's highlight reel. We always get somebody else paid. And here's Matt Ryan just showing out and showing everybody, yep, he's the guy. He's going to carry this team. And he's he's had the he's had the, the lock on the position ever since. Ever since Yeah, he really has. And it was funny because there was talk last year, Chris, that they were going to draft a quarterback in the first round to become the heir apparent to Matt Ryan, but Arthur Smith, their new head coach who came over from Tennessee, decided to hang on to Matt Ryan and they drafted Kyle Pitts who turned out to be a very very good choice for the Falcons, but yeah, Matt Ryan's had a hold on that job for years, and he is a very good quarterback. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. There will be some discussion once he retires about him possibly putting up numbers to be in the discussion for a Hall of Fame. But I think he's been a very good quarterback, but I don't think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He he seals that that Super Bowl. I think it's a different conversation. Agreed. But the way they lost it on top of the fact that they didn't win, I think is yeah. really going to be tough to make the case for him as a hall of famer. So what, what was your, your memory, Tony? You've got, like I said, you've got the better files. You, you're down there with the folks. You've got all, all the cool stuff going on. What's your big memory from the Lions Falcon series? 
unfortunately, it's not a pleasant memory, but here goes. 2005, the Atlanta Falcons came in to face the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. And the game ended with the Lions losing 27 to 7. Steve Mariucci was the head coach at the time, Chris. And the three years he was in Detroit, he never once called me anything but T.O. Everything was always T.O., 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 T.O. Walking out of the locker room, I was going upstairs because I had to feed some stuff back to the station after the game and try to get home because it was Thanksgiving. And I run into Steve Mariucci in the hallway and I run into the guy who was at the time the Lions director of security, the late Ricky Sandoval, who was a great guy, yep. just absolutely yep. phenomenal guy. Yep. And as I'm walking by, and usually I bump into Mariucci in the hallway. And as I was walking by, he goes, head down, have a, th- have a good Thanksgiving, Antonio. And he called me Antonio. Never has called me anything, had called me anything outside of that. At that point, I kind of stopped and I was a little stunned. And I, you know, you too, and I hope, you know, your family has a great Thanksgiving. But as I was going towards the elevator to go back up to the booth, I had the realization this may have been the last time that he was going to be the Lions head coach. And sure enough, the next day, um, Steve Mariucci had been fired by the Lions. And that's when I believe Dick Duran came in and was the interim head coach for the final couple of games in 2005. But not exactly a happy memory, but I do remember that because that stood out that the one time he never called me T.O., the one time he called me by my full name, it just took me off guard. And it was like, OK, this might be the end of the road for Steve Mariucci. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 kind of sad. I liked Mooch. I liked I him as, as a as a person. I the thing I remember about about him the most was that four points of contact. You remember that that, that he yes that, that was his Tom Rathman. Yeah, <laughs> he true story. Tom Rathman actually demonstrated that for a bunch of us who were covering the team at the time, and he gave each of us a football, and he made each of us hold the football in our arms so he could demonstrate what the four points of contact actually were. So it was a kind of a cool thing to do. And you know what? The Lions have had some really good head coaches and assistant coaches who have come through and have been very helpful to the media and to demonstrate what they're trying to get across to the players and to take some time to just show everybody what they're trying to do. And it's really appreciated when guys like Tom Rathman and Steve Mariucci and others come through and basically want to show us exactly what they're doing. I, I you know, This is great, Tony, because I, I have to go through the files and remember now, but mm-hmm. I saw that demonstration with the media because it got <laughs> filmed and they put it on TV. I saw them yep. doing that. I remember that. Almost, I mean, the faces are, are blurry, but I remember that demonstration clear as it was yesterday that, you know, going through point number one, right? And then walking yep. everybody through. It was, that was Top great. Of the ball side. Yep. 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 That was awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's uh, hit our Diamond CBD injury report off the top. Um, I'll bring it up here. We've got, I guess, the first and the biggest one we want to talk about, of course, is uh, Jared Goff, who's mm-hmm. on the COVID reserve right now. We do not know whether he's going to be there or not, potentially a a game time type of decision or game day decision. Chris, when he made his appearance earlier this week on 97, won the ticket here in Detroit, the one thing that he did say to uh, the the host who interviewed him, Doug Carson, Scott Anderson was that he still felt mildly sick, but he didn't, it wasn't full blown sickness. He just felt mild symptoms from COVID similar to a cold. So he that kind of told me right there, he does have it and it's still affected him today. In fact, he did virtual um, work with the team. So he was on a screen, he was on an iPad looking through everything. So you're right. It's going to be a game time decision. And more than likely, it's Tim Boyle who's going to start for the Lions on Sunday if Jared Goff can't go, which, again, brings up the question, what's wrong with David Blau? Yeah, I thought it was going to be 
Tim Boyle or Jeff Blau potentially started. Did you see the presser? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, that you. was pretty good. Cam- it, was, it was it was funny. <laughs> it just it just tickled a little thing in my head, right? Because yes. Campbell is a little. Uh, I don't want to say he's nutty. He he's he's. He, what is it? Dumb like a fox? I don't know how to yes. say. You know what I mean? The guy's really, really smart, um, and he plays it off like he's not. That's the kind of joke people. Oh yeah, yeah. He just messed up the names or played around or whatever. What if he's running a dual quarterback kind of thing with Blau and Boyle this week, right? And and I told you, right? <laughs> Tim Blau. It's possible. Yeah, you you <laughs> did. We talked about that a few weeks ago about two quarterbacks, and I'm sitting here going, "Well, Chris, if they don't have, if they have two quarterbacks, they have none." And who knows? Maybe the whole thing, you know, maybe you're 100 percent right, and this might be the thing they do on Sunday against the Falcons. And this is I, I need to put it because it was it was a conversation this morning in the Slack, and it happened before I got up because it's vacation and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to haul the conversation back to it, but I'm not saying that the NFL is going this way. This is just mm-hmm. an economics kind of exercise, a kind of economist's exercise on the position of quarterback and what some people are doing kind of like a what if, and let's, let's kind of play this game out and see what happens. I wouldn't put it past uh, uh, MCDC to, to do something like that this week. He's, he's got nothing to lose. He, I mean, it's, it's just like doing the onside kick in the first kick against the, the sure. Cardinals or against the Rams, right? Like, whoa, what the heck? Nobody expected it. Let's see what happens. Let's feel it out. Let's find out what goes on there. Um, you don't have one. If Jared Goff is there, is not playing, you're right. You don't have one quarterback. Uh, right. One of the other things someone said, well, yeah, but quarterbacks aren't running backs. Running backs weren't running backs either before they started making them a committee. Things change Correct. and evolve. It's it's not. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's definitely worth as a thought exercise to say, what could we gain from this? Is there an advantage to be had from this multiple QB thing? And then kind of go through the exercise. And you probably wind up at no right now. But somebody's mm-hmm. going to try it. Somebody's going to try it. And Chris, look, if you do the multiple quarterback thing, it puts the Atlanta Falcons on their heels because which quarterback do you prepare for? Do you prepare for David Blau, who's got some mobility and a decent arm? Or do you prepare for a guy like Tim Boyle, who's got a pretty good arm, but not quite the same mobility as David Blau? There is a difference in preparing for a guy like Tim Boyle than there is for preparing for David Blau. And here's the third part of the equation. They also have to prepare for Jared Goff, too, because there is still the possibility he could play on Sunday. So if you're the Falcons... Which quarterback are you preparing for? You can't prepare for all three and still install your defense. So you've got to take a chance on which one you're preparing for. And the Falcons have shown this year that they're not good at preparing for one quarterback. Typically, <laughs> they, they, they haven't had a great season. They're not particularly great at anything. We'll get into that. But let's let's talk about the other. Go ahead, Tony. We'll talk about the other. I was going to say, but they're in the playoff race in the NFC, which only one team, two teams have been eliminated from. So, yeah, go figure. They're 500. I don't. The Falcons are one of those teams where if you were to tell me. You look at their point differential, you show me some of their games, and I watched a couple of their games this week. I don't know how they're winning games, and yet there they are at 7-7. Seven and seven. Yeah, they close them out. They seem to close them out. You know what I mean? When when other teams might fold, they hold tough. It's there. They have an interesting it's, – it's, it's an interesting kind of – thing going on there. So we'll go through. We have uh, yep. t- twice this week, Amani Arwe, Arwe, oh, God, I want to do this right. Oroare <laughs> has not practiced. Uh, right. He's got a thumb injury. Uh, we'll see if he comes in on Friday. We're, we're running a little bit earlier than normal here, so we're not going to have the, the Friday designations. We've got Josh Woods right. did not practice twice this week with a neck injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else here has limited practice. Michael Brockers, Jonah Jackson, Julian Aquara, Khalifa Raymond, Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Josh Reynolds, and DeAndre Swift, all limited. Jalen Reeves-Mabin is a huge one for a couple of reasons. One, he has been very good for the Lions, especially against the run the last couple of weeks. But he's athletic enough 
to be a guy who could possibly hang with Kyle Pitts, who is one of the most athletically gifted young tight ends right now in the NFL. The Falcons, one thing they do that's interesting, Chris, they don't just line up Pitts as a tight end. They also line him up as a slot receiver. And on occasion, they will line him up as an outside wide receiver. So you've got to have people who are going to be able to cover him. So if he lines up in the slot or he lines up as a tight end, Jalen Reeves-Maben is the type of guy who has the athleticism who can hang with him, and he does a decent job in pass coverage. That could be a major problem for the Lions if Maben does not play for the, for them on Sunday. Yeah, and and we will get into that. Kyle Pitts is one yeah. of the ones that – you're right, though. He gives you such so much trouble. He plays in the outside. He's going to be bigger than your cornerback. He's going to push Correct. him around, right? And that's a tough – one to cover he comes in the slot now you have a guy who couldn't who can play at the outside and has the ability to both play as a slot as well and with his size he's going to line up on the linebacker so now a linebacker's got somebody his size but that can move and has the quickness and the, and the speed that they're gonna have to fight or then you put him in as a, as a tight end and then you worry whether he's blocking or you know you have your your weakest linebacker trying to cover or in some <laughs> cases if matt patricia's out there you have a, you know um oh god what was the defensive end um the one that was always hurt Ziggy Ansah, you got him covering. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's not that? a good thing. Ziggy no. in coverage? Oh, my God, that was crazy. Oh, man, sorry, I just had a flashback. Um, there you go. <laughs> Atlanta side of the ball. Uh, two guys, not injury-related, resting is what mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're called. They did not practice on Thursday. Cordero, Cordero Patterson and Lee Smith. Um, Cordero Pat- Patterson brings an interesting – he's an interesting mix. Ooh. That's a guy that, I mean, with that kind of speed, seems to have some troubles catching the ball, but – when he does, he's a brute to deal with. As a running back or out of the backfield, the guy is murder. He he's got legs, boy. Yeah, he does. He's got speed, and he also makes an impact on special teams because he also yeah. can return kicks for the Atlanta Falcons as well. The one thing about Patterson is he is that gadget guy. They line him up all over the place. He can line up as a receiver, as a running back in the slot. They line him up all over the place, and the Lions are going to definitely have to be aware of wherever he is, which is why Aurorier has to be in the lineup for the Lions on Sunday because that's the guy you probably want to be on Patterson if he's not already going to be on one of those Falcons wide receivers. By the way, the Falcons do have a good set of wide receivers. They're gifted offensively, and Arthur Smith, their head coach, comes over from Tennessee where he – where he basically orchestrated that Titans offense. They have a good offense. Their defense is not good, but their offense, it's kind of explosive. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a little bit disappointed. One of the things that – um we had was a pretty good Atlanta network of informants because <laughs> of yeah. Matthew Stafford's kind of um, historical time there. And we had yes. a great line of sight into Stafford and then Stafford's friendship and Ryan gave us some good insights as to what's going on. But now that he's moved on, it's not as much info there to play with. It kind of stinks, but yeah. So Sorry. those, those guys out uh, two other did, did not uh, practice Tajay Sharp, which I don't think is going to be too huge for them. And then uh, Tyler Davidson uh, with illness. So we'll see. All right, let's move on. From the the injury report, we've got 66 degrees, partly cloudy at kickoff. No call for precipitation. Uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, do you know what the wind's like in there, T.O.? I have never been to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so I can't tell you what the wind is like. But I will say this much. No Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the craziest thing ever. <laughs> they put a Chick-fil-A, if you haven't heard the story, they put a Chick-fil-A in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is awesome because six days a week, you can go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and get a Chick-fil-A. It's just Sunday when the Falcons are playing, they're closed. <laughs> Tony, I, I I don't know. I, maybe I need to apologize now. I you know, <laughs> do you go home at night after doing this and say, what is what have I been reduced to? I'm doing a wind report at indoor <laughs> games now on a stupid podcast. <laughs> 
No, but I will say this much. My son Jordan always gets a kick out of that because he goes, he told me the last time you brought it up last week, he goes, you're never living that down. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. Don't I still see, I still see Dan Miller and Jim Brandstatter to this day. And one of the first things they always say, Hey, how's the wind? It's like, yeah, bite your lip. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Brandstatter still had the glow from the, the Packers game the weeks before with the little old ladies and the brats, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's see. We'll talk. Let's talk matchups. Uh, I'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. Um, I feel like the Atlanta pass rush, pass rush is going to have some trouble. And our offensive line is well poised to give uh, Tim Blau or Jeff Boyle <laughs> all, the, all the room they need, or Jared Goff as well. Um, David I, Goff? <laughs> uh, I, I feel like this is a really, really good matchup for the Lions. At a time when we have quarterbacks um, potentially in, in the second or third you know, uh, tier guy playing string guy playing, um, their pass rush, their pass rush is really just nothing to write home about. They're, 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 they're weak. I don't want to say weak. They're just not as potent as so many other teams. And that gives us with the strength of our offensive line with, uh, Taylor Decker, Penny Sewell, Vitae playing so well across the board. Uh, the lions have a real strength there to keep that quarterback clean. And that's one of the things that's going to give Atlanta a little bit of trouble with our offense. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, Chris, which is the Atlanta Falcons offense, because if this game becomes a shootout, if it becomes a battle between the two offenses, you got to give the Falcons basically the edge on that. Because, again, they have better weapons on offense right now, starting with Matt Ryan, starting with Cordero Patterson, with Kyle Pitts. They have better weapons on offense. Now, granted, their defense, and I agree with you, is not anything to write home about. But offensively, the Falcons could be one of the better matchups for the Lions this year as far as offense goes. So to me. The Lions have got to be able to control that game from the start, whether that means more runs. And I think the running game, by the way, is going to be huge because if DeAndre Swift plays and he did limited stuff today, if he plays, that gives you a little bit of an edge with the running game because now you can use him. You can use Jamal Williams, who is coming back. You can use Netflix, who has been running well for the last couple of weeks. Those are guys who can really, really control time of possession, keep the tempo in the Lions' favor. I'm not sure the Falcons can win a slowdown game again, even though Arthur Smith does have that background from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree, um, and that's where I was, I was leaning on the offensive side of the ball was their passing game. Kyle Pitts brought so much to this team; he was such a yeah. perfect addition for them to pick up in the draft. I liked Kyle Pitts. I didn't see him playing out as well. I, I have to admit, that's when I was wrong, that he would have been very impactful on the Lions. Do I want him over Panay Sewell? Probably not long-term for no. the for the building of a, a team and a rebound the way we are and a rebuild the way we are. But, gosh, he would have been just an incredible tool for the Lions to have this year. There's only one player in the draft that I would have probably taken over Panay Sewell based on the way he's played this year, and it's Micah Parsons. Mm. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Micah Parsons on the Lions defense, it would have been interesting to see if they would have used him the same way on, you know, as a defensive end linebacker in coverage, rushing the passer. It would have been interesting to see if the Lions and Aaron Glenn would have used him in that way. But just based on the talent he's shown and just based on what I've seen when the Cowboys play, man, Micah Parsons on this defense would have been lights out. If we could only have two or three first round picks every, oh wait, we do this. And <laughs> we'll see. There's a, there's some good stuff coming possibly. That's that's. By that's, the way, go I, I got to ask this, Chris, and I didn't mean I apologize for doing that, cutting you off there. 
Did it surprise you how many Lions fans were upset about the Cardinals win? Not because it was a win, but because the Lions then fell behind the Jaguars and now they're picking number two instead of number one. Surprise yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't. It didn't. There's there's a professional class of I'll call them the haters for lack of a better term mm-hmm. in in you know the Lions sphere, and they're probably well. You know, the Lions well deserve them just based on the performance that they've been able to put together over the last, you know, since 1950, January of 58. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not it's not been a lot to write home with. So, I mean, you get a little bit of abuse and you deserve it probably until you can put something on the field. Um, So I get that. But the idea that you would want to lose for a draft pick, that's an anathema yeah. to me. I mean, a winner, you know. You look at the Patriots, they haven't drafted better than, what, 15th in, in 15 years, and yet they mm-hmm. field great teams year after year after year after year. They, they don't lose for draft picks. They don't, you know, they, they go out and they win every game they can. I think with Brad Holmes, his what he did in the last draft, he's he's earned the right to have credit for being able to draft and build a team through the draft. I feel like if we lose two, three positions in this draft because we, we win out, those wins are better not only because we only lose a few spots in the, we only slide a few spots in the draft, right. but we become a landing spot for free agents because they see the turnaround happening. They believe the turn, turnaround is real. The word about Dan Campbell, I mean, you see it in the national media. It's not, yes. it's not just the normal national media BS. This is real words that are being traded within players within the NFL as well. They see what's happening here. They understand the culture that's being built here. I, you know, people talking about uh, coaches getting poached. I wouldn't be surprised that we hold on to our coaches this year. I, I, I really, the ones that we want to, we'll, we'll put it that way. Aaron Glenn. At least for one more year, yes. Yeah. yeah At yeah, least yeah, for yeah. one more year. Yep. But look, if that defense continues to improve, like the Lions defense has improved the last couple of weeks, I think Aaron Glenn's going to be on somebody's radar. Maybe not this year, but definitely he'll be on somebody's radar next year. Um, you know what? Ben Johnson's somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Ben Johnson, uh, he's, uh, he's, He's under. He's the one guy undergoing the interview for the offensive coordinator position right now. Ben yep, Johnson. I agree. I agree. I don't think he's going anywhere year over year, whether he gets that job or not. And I don't think Glenn is going anywhere either. Um, this year, not this year. No, 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 not this year. And and I think it's partially because they believe in what they're doing and they want to get full credit for what they're doing. And uh, Aaron Glenn realizes he does another year of this and gets more talent and can even turn away, turn in a better kind of performance that his stock yep. is going to be even higher and he's going to get so much more out of it. I, I and, and there's this sense of camaraderie these guys have that they don't have elsewhere. I'll tell you, my past job to this job, the sense mm-hmm. of wanting to go into work every day and how much of a difference that makes, not just in your, in your work day, but in the Agreed. rest of your life, <laughs> that means a whole heck of a lot. And these guys spend a ton of time at work. If you get a job that you really, really enjoy doing, it doesn't feel like work. It actually feels like something that's enjoyable, something that you look forward to day in and day out, as opposed to going through a job where the head coach is always on you, where the head coach is calling out your record and comparing your record Mm -hmm. to his record, where the head coach is calling you a bunch of losers. You don't want to work for a boss like that. You don't want to work at a place like that. No. No, not of course that there's no NFL franchise that that possibly could resemble. No one would be just knuckleheaded enough to hire a head coach that would do something like that. Absolutely no, not. nobody would be crazy. It, it, it's almost an urban legend. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. That was an Oscar Mayer of a wiener, let me tell you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had nowhere else to go with that. Yeah, I know. I know. I was trying to avoid that one. <laughs> Leave it to me. I'll lower the bar, Tony. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we got our matchups. We've got to look at uh, our, our coaching staff and our predictions. We'll maybe do a little bit more of that here as we to- head towards the end of the season and wrap up the game previews with Tony. Then we need all, all of your letters and tweets and emails to go to Tony to say, Tony, stick around, stick around <laughs> the season, do stuff with these guys. You're fun. All right. Let's uh, talk about the odds brought to you by Amazon, amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com. You, you're, you're about to get a whole ton of gift cards. You know it. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to get out there and you're going to have all this money to spend flush with free money. What do you want to do? Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Head on over. You get all the same prices. It just takes a little bit of that money that would have gone into Bezos' pocket. Puts it in ours. It's a great way to support your podcast by doing something you were going to do anyway. Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. All right. Vegas odds from Amazon. This is interesting, Tony. And 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get to the one. I'll point it out very clearly when we get there. But this is one that you alluded to that might be a place where people want to play around with their money if they're in, in so inclined. And we'll do it responsibly. Um, Christmas money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got the spread with the Falcons minus six. And that that's widened to minus six just with the Jared Goff. News. Yeah, it has. Um, um, you know what? It's Thursday. I would stay away from that today. Later in the week, tomorrow, Saturday, once I see what Jared Goff's condition is, whether he's on track to play, maybe get an idea of what injuries are out there. I might be tempted to play the Lions with the six, but at this point, I would at this point on Thursday at seven fifty-five, I would stay away from that. Interesting. Okay. Um, money line: you get the Lions plus two hundred, mm-hmm. doubling your money. That's not bad. Falcons not bad minus two fifty. It's like okay, mm. I, I might, I might, I might tickle that money line. I might, I might, I might just go for that. Again, you know, I'm not putting any needed money on that. It's, it's the money I got from grandma this year for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> grandma, you might have got me a lot. You might have doubled your money. Um, but the interesting one for me is the over-under. Yep. 43. I feel, Over. Yeah. I, I feel like, just like you touched on, this is going to be a little bit more of an offensive game. Yep. And uh, we're going to see a lot more than those 43 points scored, or more than those 43 points scored. That's the one I put the uh, Christmas fund on is the over, definitely. There you go. Now, again, don't take our advice. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah, liable if you took my analysis. advice last. Yeah, if you took my <laughs> advice last week, you took the Cardinals. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that and, and oh god, it was so funny. Last week was that game. I my my head and my heart were completely conflicted. Right, my head said take the cards. Right, take the cards. But my heart, like, the Lions got this man. He had all these all these reasons stacked up why the Lions could do it. Came true, Tony. Came true. You know what, Chris? I give you all the credit in the world, and I gave you credit on the air here in Detroit on Monday. You had the Cardinals not playing well against the Lions, and you had the Lions with the chance of an upset, and you you were absolutely one hundred percent correct. So, kudos to you, sir. And it's funny because that was also something my son reminded me of when uh, the game was over and he came home from work. It's like. Well, you were wrong on the podcast, weren't you? Yeah, it sure was. Thanks. Again, Jordan, he is the oracle. The he is right more than he's wrong. Like, I, like I, I got, you know, blind squirrel found a nut. Your, your dad's <laughs> so good at this. Don't, don't. It's, it's always fun to break dad's chops, but uh, 
<laughs> yeah, he does don't that quite a bit. Don't undersell him. He's a good guy. <laughs> he knows yeah. what he's doing here. All right. Uh, let's get to the predictions. And Merry Christmas, Jordan and, and family. Um, final outcome. Fanatics final outcome, of course. Fanatics.com. Mm-hmm. No, fanatics.detroitlinespodcast.com. That's how you do it. It's the same thing as the Amazon. They put a couple pennies in our pocket and uh, give us stuff that, you know, from stuff you were going to do anyway. I'm not going to get the big, big, long read there. All right, Fanatics, final outcome. Let's get into it. (laughs) Tony, what's your prediction against the Atlanta Falcons this week? If this was a game that was at Ford Field, I would pick the Lions to win it. It's in Atlanta. It's a road trip. I think the Falcons still have hopes of staying in the playoff race. It's going to be a high-scoring game, more high-scoring than your typical Lions game. So put me down for 31-24 Atlanta. I just think they have too many weapons on the offensive side of the ball. There are too many question marks about the Lions on offense, a couple of question marks on defense. To me, I think the Falcons are playing better right now than they've played the entire season. I think Kyle Pitts will make a difference. I think Matt Ryan will make a difference for the Falcons. I'll go 31-24 and my one Christmas suggestion, take the over, because I think there will be some points scored in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not as generous on the points, but I still think they hit the over. I'm at mm-hmm. 27 to 20. Um, still cracking the over by a good four points. Yep. Um, this is this is going to be a, a, a game of weak defenses. And I'm not, I don't want to knock the Lions defense. They're just at the bottom of the, the injury barrel here. Jerry's yep. out. I mean, we played so well last week. I think it's going to be a little bit tough to hold that up for a second week in a row, just like the the Falcons prepared so hard for the Rams. We did a lot of that same sort of thing for the the Cardinals. I'm not going to say that the Lions will be unprepared or weak because they're going to come out and score this week. I just think that it's uh, it's it's going to be uh, tough. Sorry for the Falcons to overcome. So I'm 27 to 20 with the Lions on top. Yeah, Chris, every game the Falcons play right now is a playoff game. Yeah. So they're right there in the mix with everybody else. They're going to play hard, and I think they understand that their season is on the line. Their season's on the line every week. And sometimes when you get especially to this point in the season, desperation trumps anything else. And right now the Falcons are a more desperate team than the Lions. Because of that, I'm going to go with the Falcons. Let me ask you, because this is – I'm trying to protect you from Jordan here, Tony. This is all we're doing. Okay, and, yeah, thank you. And in the, uh, in the chat says, we have to remind Tony – Atlanta has lost every single game at home this year. Yeah, I know. That's an amazing stat to me, which is remarkable. Um, Another one that's hard to keep going, though, right? I mean, it's yeah, pretty much. And that's, mean. and that's the thing, especially with a, especially with so many question marks with the Lions. And yes, I know they're they're winless at home. I just don't think this is the game. The Falcons lay another egg. I still think that they are the better team at this point, the way they're playing. And again, to me. At this time of the year, when you're making predictions, you got to look at how desperate the team is to stay in the playoff race, how desperate they are to salvage their season. And this is this is a chance for the Falcons to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is it. Next week, we'll tell. And and maybe we should have Jordan on and he can he can mock one of us. <laughs> I got twenty seven twenty for the Lions. Tony's got the, the Falcons on top. We've got a head. Thirty one twenty four. Yep. Thirty one to twenty four. Nose to nose. Toe to toe. Ready to put them up. We'll see what happens. All right. uh, Looking ahead, let's not forget the post-game show this week. We'll be with Sandman live. He's coming on again. And the Tuesday podcast. Notice I said Tuesday. Normally we've been doing Wednesdays, but these holiday weeks make things a little a little extra, extra, extra. So it'll be Tuesday with the Riz. Um, Tony and I have to have to figure out if if we're going to start early on uh, for New Year or not. (laughs) If we want to do this (laughs) next Thursday. Um, Hey, Chris. Yo. 
One thing I keep saying: the Falcons are seven and seven. I'm sorry, they're six and eight. Six and eight. Does that change? And they did win a and they did win a home game. They beat the New York Jets. Oh, everybody beats the New York Jets except for a couple of. But they beat the New York Jets in Week Five, twenty-seven to twenty in Atlanta. Well, now you've broken everybody's narrative. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sticking with the Lions. All right. (laughs) Tony, what do you think? Next Thursday, you want to do it again? Why not? Why not? Okay, we'll see. We will check in and make sure everything's all right. I don't want to get Tony uh, uncommitted too much because he's got a lot going on right now. But we'll shoot for that. We've got Tuesday with with Risden and Sunday with Sam. And what more could you ask for? Tony, thank you so much. Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you for everything this year. It's been so great to have you on the show. I love doing this with you. Hey, Chris, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And I love doing this. And thank you very much for the opportunity to do this. It's really a lot of fun to talk with you about the Lions. It's really a lot of fun to still be emotionally invested in the Lions <laughs> because for a long time, even though I don't want to admit it, you know, when you covered them, you did get a little emotionally attached to it. You just wanted them to do well because your season extended. You got, you know, you yeah. earned more money. People wanted to talk to you as opposed to, say, 2 and 14 when nobody wanted to talk to you. So, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you for allowing me to do this. This has been a blast. This has been a great ride. This season, Tony, I, I didn't expect this. You know, as we were kind of heading into the season, we said, look, they're not going to do great. The Lions are not going to have a great record this year, but it's the football is going to be a heck of a lot more fun. Right. I look back on the season right now, and that early on I was worried about that prediction because it wasn't a whole lot of fun for the first couple of weeks. But that's that's really come around. And this season has been, I feel a heck of a lot better with this two-win team than I did about any of Patricia's three wins or four-win teams. You know what I mean? I agree. You you see something developing here. Now, let me throw a little bit of cold water on this. It's still a two-win team yeah. who didn't pick up their first win in the season until December. So, look, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is a great team. This is the team that's got the makings of a Super Bowl team or a playoff team. There's still a whole lot of work left to be done. But has this been an interesting team to follow and watch this year? Absolutely. It's been it's been I don't want to say insane, but it, it's been fun to watch the evolution of this team and the evolution of Dan Campbell. When the, does he make some calls that drive you nuts? Absolutely. But this has been a fun process to watch. When the kneecap biting started, it was I was a little <laughs> nervous, right, about all the national narrative on this. But to see how the national media again i don't put much stock into the national media because i I just have to remind myself and remind others about the the matthew stafford graphics as he flew away from the doldrums and terrible horrible place of detroit and all the sunshine and brightness of la how great it was it wasn't that they just said hey he's coming to la and he's doing well they had to kick detroit every time on the way out and that made me i was really really angry about that just because they're saying nice things about our coach i can't i can't buy into that you know that, that whole thing but i will say the narrative around Dan Campbell is such that it's, you know, you know, it is true. He's really doing something. He's got not just the players and the coaches, but the the media. He's gotten everyone bought into this turnaround is the right thing for Detroit, the right thing for the Detroit Lions. And it adds this level of excitement, I think, for next year. You get homes with those two first round picks again and another draft as solid as he did last year. We're not going to rush to the Super Bowl next year, but gosh, right. we're going to see a significant step forward because Remember, there's four, team, four games this year that we lost by a field goal. So four field goals, and we're second in the NFC North. We're close. We're better team than that record shows, especially with the level of injury we had. If we could have a healthy team and a good draft and good free agency, this is one of those kind of worst-to-first kind of stories being pre-made. 
especially Chris, when you look at the possible upheaval in the NFC North this offseason, yeah. there's a chance you'll get a new head coach, likely a new head coach in Chicago, maybe even a new GM. There's a chance that Aaron Rodgers may not be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers this offseason if he decides to part ways with that team. And there's also the possibility you might get a new head coach and some changes as well in Minnesota. So the NFC North could be in a state of upheaval, and that's something that we will watch in the offseason because if things get shifted around in the division, who knows, maybe that opens the door for the Lions to take a jump. Again, maybe not a jump to be a playoff contender, but at least a jump where they're a little more competitive and you can possibly see the light at the end of the tunnel. And this time it's not an oncoming train. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think, and, and Zimmer, the, uh, have a little birdie that, that told me if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's done. So I think, I think, so we'll see what happens in Minnesota because the playoffs are so wide open for folks right now. I, I, he's, he should be, I want him to hold him for another five years. To be honest with you. <laughs> Here's the problem with that, Chris, you mean to tell me that, being the number seven seed and getting blown out of the first round of the playoffs by a team like, say, Dallas or Tampa is enough to save his job. If you're going to make the change, you should make the change whether or not the Minnesota Vikings make the playoffs. I'm just saying it to me, getting blown out in the first round of the playoffs does not ensure another year as head coach. I think that's one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard or seen in my life. And it happens quite a bit in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, they made the playoffs. They got blown out in the first round, but we'll bring him back. Why? The, the same problems that were there before existed when you made the playoffs and they're still into the off season. I don't get that. So yeah. that, that, I'm not, that, I'm not knocking you. I'm no, just, no, no, you know, no, I, I totally little get that. it's like, it's a weird decision. Yeah. But and like you said, we've seen it before. The other side of the equation is, is I think we saw Matt Nagy, his exasperated, I think is a, yeah. is a nice way to put it. Coaching on the sideline. That's truly a man that was f- coaching for his life. I think he, yeah, got, he really was. He got the word before that game that it's this one or, or you're gone, my friend. And because I've I've seen him coach, we've seen him coach a number of times. He's never been that animated, right? I agree. And there was something afoot. It wasn't like they were, you know, winning their way into the playoffs in that with that victory. It was, you know, this was something else. I think that was Matt Nagy fighting for his job. Matt Nagy is going to be looking for a job after this this season. If you're Minnesota. Do you want to put yourself nose to nose in hiring a coach with the Chicago Bears from a talent perspective? Maybe so from an organizational perspective, there's a lot more, you know, if you're you're going to be what is it? Minneapolis versus Chicago. If you're if you're yeah. trying to pull somebody in, gosh, you know, that that whole uh, that Chicago lifestyle is a nice, nice thing to sell. And here's the other thing. You're also in competition with the Jacksonville Jaguars who are going to be in the market for a head coach. More than likely, you're going to be in competition with the Carolina Panthers because I don't think Matt Rule survives after that 3-0 and start and the fact that they collapsed like a lead balloon. And who knows? Maybe you're in competition with the New York Giants because if they fire Dave Gettleman as their GM, there's a pretty good bet that Joe Judge might follow him out the door as well. Yep. One other thing you mentioned about Dan Campbell. It was good this week to read Peter King to read Albert Breer and to hear Pat McAfee all praising Dan Campbell. That's the kind of national love you're talking about that wasn't there initially for Dan Campbell. But when you see how hard this team is playing and how they haven't mailed it in like some other teams have, it's good to see that kind of that kind of positive spin on what's going on in Detroit, even if the record doesn't quite indicate. Yeah. I feel like that sense of humor he has is the the kind of guy that I would absolutely want. When he came out with the the racing helmet on it, right? I mean, it was just... So awesome. So awesome. But again, he got blasted for that national in the national media because people would people's my favorite comment. I don't remember who said it. And I apologize. Well, you know, Bill Belichick would never come out with that. Well, guess what? 
Dan Campbell is not Bill Belichick. These are two completely different personality types. Just saying. And that's that's kind of the Campbellitics thing. Somebody took this a little further and said that maybe Dan Campbell could become, and wouldn't it be great if he become, they said, the new Belichick, but wasn't as much of a jerk as Belichick. The potential's there. The potential's there. The potential's definitely there. And I love it, how he how I, smart he is and how, how yeah. people underestimate him so much. There's a lot to that. If there's one coach that I think he might ultimately grow into a type, Sean Payton, mm, mm-hmm. whom he worked with for years in yeah. New Orleans. I could see him growing into a Sean Payton type of coach, a guy who's tough on the players, but is a player's coach and a guy who's not afraid to make, shall we say, interesting decisions during games. And Sean Payton does that quite a bit. John Harbaugh is another guy who I think he might ultimately evolve into. Hopefully not quite as risky with the two point plays, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Okay. That's, that's a, that's a very, very fair, very, very fair. All right. That's awesome. Um, Micro Mike, Dan Campbell reminds me of Bill Cower. He does in a way. That's interesting. He does. Um, I see I see your eyes a little twinkle there. Too. A little bit. He reminds me a little bit of a little bit of Bill Cower. More Sean Payton than Bill Cower, but I can see where the comparison yeah. is fair. Any any of those mentioned names though, if he if he grows into any of those. Sure. That's that's a huge welcome in Detroit. We'll take it. We'll take that in spades. My God. But again, let me throw a little cold water on here. This is only one year. This is something that he has to grow and develop into. We assume he's going to do this. He may not, but we're assuming that this is eventually what he will evolve into as a head coach. We've this is the best first with two wins. The best first year we've had out of a coaching <laughs> staff in how long though? Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't. You know what? I can't say that. Sorry. Because I thought Jim Caldwell's first year was pretty good. He was all right. Yeah, he was pretty good. He was in the the thing about Caldwell was is he was that next step, right? You saw coming yep. from Jim Schwartz, you got uh, Jim Caldwell. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the next evolution. This is the one that's going to take us to that level. And right. then he didn't quite take you where you thought, right? And then I don't know if you bought into this or not, Tony. I I know mm-hmm. I did. And I, it, well, and I'll say it was the right time. Because Jim Caldwell wasn't the guy that was going to take you to the next level. I just didn't see him taking us to that that level. He he hung on to guys for too long that that he shouldn't have. He um he just wasn't going to get us. It was probably the right time to move on, but and we moved on to the consensus best yeah. option. And it just was it just turned out so bad. So bad. I thought, you know what, when it happened, I thought, you know, I felt bad for Jim Caldwell because I really respected him as a man, respected yeah, him as a coach. Absolutely. But when it initially happened, I thought that Matt Patricia was a near home run hire because here was a guy who had the New England Patriot pedigree. He was the architect of some very good defenses along with Bill Belichick in New England. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to come to Detroit. And even if it even if this team didn't make that next step, he was going to bring that kind of flavor and fire that he brought to New England. And I thought. The Lions, even if they don't win a Super Bowl, would at least be a playoff contender in the NFC. And I was so wrong about yeah. that. And and the other side of it is, and I know a lot of people are, are totally in it for, for Jim Caldwell. And, mm-hmm. and and this is not me dancing on this at all, right? But where is he coaching now? He he's not. He was sick. He coached for as a he was an assistant coach for most of a year and then he wound up sick and right. hasn't come back in the league since. Had we kept him, right? And we didn't know this at the time, but had we kept him We'd been out of coach, and then we'd have been scrambling for a coach to replace him. And that's you never want to, as an organization, be behind on the hire. You want to be ahead. Correct. When you're scrambling and behind, the only bad things happen. Only bad things. I will be interested to see if he becomes a candidate in Jacksonville, Chris, because if 
most NFL teams always go for the opposite of the last head coach they hired. Yeah. Urban yeah. Meyer had no NFL experience and he was kind of a dictator. Emphasis on the first syllable. <laughs> and so I think they will probably try to go in a different direction with a guy who has some NFL experience and a guy who can come in and calm down that locker room. Caldwell would be an interesting choice if he got the opportunity in Jacksonville. No hash browns from Tony. That's the table. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? That is really, really, I really like that, Tony. That's super, super smart. Um, he, he, the other side of it, too, is Jim Caldwell being kind of that quarterback whisperer. And you yep. need somebody to work with Trevor Lawrence because you know he has the skills. We've talked about that, that nature versus nurture. Yep. They, he, he, you know he has the nature. He has the skills. He has the talent. He has the ability. But the situation Trevor Lawrence was dropped into was terrible. He needs yep. someone like a Jim Caldwell could come in and really give him a shot to turn that career around and, and be what he should be in the NFL. Another possibility down there, too, and a guy who does have a reputation for turning quarterbacks around, and he's out of a job at this point but won a Super Bowl, Doug Peterson. Oh, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be an interesting hire in Jacksonville. And again, NFL experience, won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles, and a guy who does have some success in the NFL. If you're Shad Khan and you want to reward your fans for being patient with your franchise and you want to prove to them that you're turning the page, Doug Peterson might not be a bad head coach to hire either. So Joe Lombardi, next coach in Jacksonville. Okay. <laughs> and you mentioned the reason for that. Listen, right there, I don't Shad think Khan. if you're if you're Shad Khan, you want a guy with NFL head coaching experience. You don't want to give a guy his first head coaching job based on what happened with Urban Meyer. Sorry. I, I But if you're Shad if, Khan, yeah. the rest of the world has already fired you as an owner from the bad choices you've made previously. Pretty I don't much. know he thinks that way. <laughs> Pretty much. Listen, I you, <laughs> The most messed up franchise in the NFL right now is the Jacksonville Jaguars by a long margin. I mean, Detroit Lions fans can sit here and say, you know what? This is a pretty screwed up franchise. I wouldn't trade places with the Jacksonville Jaguars fans for a million dollars. Yeah, no, that's they did make a Super Bowl once, though. Didn't no, they? didn't Jacksonville? No. I know. Whoa, 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 I'm thinking who am I? AFC Championship game. Thank you, thank you. Okay, God. Jacksonville's one of, one of three four. franchises that have never made, or four franchises yeah. that have never made the Super yep. Bowl. Yep, yep. That's I, I, I. It was the AFC one. Darn it. I knew it was four. And who was I thinking? God. Oh well. Either way. Oh, I was. It was Carolina. That was. Yep, that's I, was I was swapping Carolina and uh, and Jacksonville in my head. Okay, there we go. I'm on straight. We've got next week. We've got to hear from Jordan. And let him know. Let let him taunt the loser of the uh, of the prediction game. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Have a little fun with that. All right. With that, don't forget about us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions Podcast. Access to the Slack, the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. Other than when you hear Tony talking, that's the most you want. Oh, that's no. the best you get. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast, DET Lions Podcast, or at AJ Ortiz3. That's Antonio J Ortiz3. Get that going on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark Mooch, for that one. Um, give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, or call us on the Lions line at 929 33 Lions. It's 929 335 4667. And be sure to go to Detroit Lions Podcast and subscribe to the podcast. So we can show up automatically. I didn't know your first name was Antonio. I, I just mm -hmm. thought it was Anthony or Tony. It's a, this is, I've learned something. I've learned something. <laughs> Tony, I usually don't give away good. my first name like that, but that was a good enough story. And it was the Falcon. So I 
Might as well go ahead with the story. <laughs> they, the, the Blue Falcons. All right. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants. And Dino Munch. <laughs> no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems. Because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.